Today we are in Matthew 6, 25 to 34. And I hope today to be able to share with you a blessing of, of kind of like a lived word, uh, something that I've learned about God that has been, become very central in my faith. So today I'm hoping to pass that along to you, along with the treasure of just God's word that we are given. So here we are in Matthew 6, 25. Jesus teaches, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How happy a person would be, a Christian would be, who took that teaching to heart. How happy that person would be. How happy was Jesus that he, he practiced what he preached. He wasn't worried. He wasn't anxious. He trusted the Father in all areas of his life, which we will see. But how happy is the person who's learned the secret to not worry about life? We spend a lot of, we burn a lot of calories worrying and being anxious. We do. This passage reminded me of John 14. As I was meeting with God this week, this just popped into my head as I was just about to, to doze off for a nap. John, John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Extend that belief to me, Jesus says. There's plenty of space. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to fear. Remember when I used to work at Walmart Distribution Center, I drove a forklift, and anyone that works in warehousing will tell you there's good machines and then there's not-so-good machines. And they're all tuned slightly differently, and they get maintenance on them. And some machines are slow, some of them are really fast, some of them are probably faster than they should be. So we would all run like fully grown men, four in the morning, run into the warehouse and try to put our tag on the machine that we liked the best. You know? And I did this too. Were we supposed to do that? No. We weren't even clocked in yet. It was against the rules. We all ran in to get, the, get that machine that we love. And there was a, there was, machines had different reputations. Number, number 23 is Phil's machine. Like, don't get on it. He's not a very nice guy. 
Um, there's going to be some, some, some bloodshed if you do that. It's as if, uh, you know, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of, there's plenty of spaces for you. No need to, to run like that. Matthew 6 and John 14 to get, taken together, we see, we see this picture of Jesus. No anxiety, no worry, no concern. And he's telling us that we should feel the same way that he does about our relationship with God. Now, it's, it's easier said than done. We do not often hear the word provision or provisions anymore. This talks about, this passage talks about um, what you will eat, what you will wear, you know. In John 14, where will you live after you die? We don't, we don't often talk about the word provision or provisions. We might uh, use this word when someone is telling an, an old-timey kind of story, like the Oregon Trail. We got some provisions of hardtack and water and loaded up our trailer. Everyone still died of dysentery, so it's very sad. Oregon Trail. But we don't usually use this word. But this word provision is about having the things that we need, that we need to pack for our journey. Because this word is not really used very much anymore these days in our modern vocabulary, I would like to take back this word and use it exclusively to talk about what we get from God. I want to reclaim it for use in your Christian life with God, in relation to God, and in your thinking about God. And I want to make this word provision special and always in regard to what God provides for us. So when we pray, let's begin asking God for his provision for us. When we think about God, let's think about the provision that he has for us in any area of our lives. The root word for provision is, of course, provide. And the idea consists of whatever it is is needed so that you can live or even thrive. And this is what Jesus says we should trust God for. We trust in God, trust also in him. This is what we need to trust God for. This is what God wants us, his followers to do. To trust him for physical provisions, for emotional provisions, intellectual provisions, everything we need. It appears from Jesus' life that although he, he suffered in many ways, and the Bible says he was a man of suffering, and ultimately, of course, he died upon the cross, Jesus lived a happy life from day to day. He lived a blessed life. Happy are those who trust in the Lord. He had sort of a carefree nature because he believed that God was his provider and would give all the provisions needed for his journey, even the hard parts of his journey. Jesus had a strong and very much alive sense of God's goodness as a father, and Jesus relied on God to provide for him in every dimension. Think about physical provisions. Jesus trusted God to provide bread and fish for a huge crowd of, of, of people. And we all know the miracle. He broke the bread, he broke the fish, and everyone was fed with leftovers. Physical provisions, what you will eat. Jesus relied on God for emotional provisions. Think about, we don't often think about Jesus this way, but think about Jesus in Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus cried out to God for his support. If possible, could you take this from me? But not my will, but yours be done. He was so uh, emotional that he was going into shock and sweating drops of blood. He was so frightened. And he, but he, he, he leaned on his relationship with God during that very trying emotional time. Jesus also relied on, relied on God for intellectual provisions. 
Jesus taught teachers, which is a very intimidating thing to do when you think about it. He taught the teachers of the law the things that God had given him. And it says in John 12, 49, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And Jesus got provision of a word from God. Jesus looked to God for, for his provision in all of these different areas, physical, emotional, intellectual. He didn't worry about his life. And he taught us not to worry either. He thought to himself that all of these provisions flowed freely from the hand of a good God. He believed it. God did it. God provided. And it really was as simple as that. And, and, and he tells us that we are to rely on God for provision in the same way. Just as Jesus relied on God, like it says in John 14, you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus says, rely on me for your provisions. So, you know, those corny-sounding sermon series that come out in churches, you know, 10 Steps to Dealing with Anxiety, or How to Be a Happy Person, Part 7. Well, today's, today's passage, I think, really does promise to deliver on what sounds like a false promise, something that seems too good to be true, that we can live a life without anxiety, without worry, that we can be happy, that we can be, in a sense, carefree because we trust that God is underneath all and holding all things together. Jesus was grounded in the belief that God cares for his children and God knows what we need before we ask him. Um, when Jesus is talking about prayer in Matthew, Matthew 5, we, we read about that. And he said, when you pray, do not be like the pagans, the people that don't know God, because they think they will be heard because of their many words. But pray to God as if God knows what you need before you ask him. Come to him that way. Jesus was grounded in this idea. God cares for him, for his children. God knows what we need before we ask, and he desires to provide it for them. If you ask God for one thing, he doesn't give you the opposite. You know, he loves us, and he wants to provide for us. So why is it such a big deal to me to talk about provisions and to make this like a holy word for us to use? I just think it's, it's nice to have special words that are set apart for God. In the Hebrew, there are verbs that apply only to God. Only God can do them. Uh, so there's a word, salach, which is to forgive. And it's a Hebrew word that means forget. So in other words, God who knows all, it's as if he forgets our sins when, he, when we, when, when we um, confess them to him. He forgives us in a way that no one else can forgive us. God does that. So I like special words that, rely, that are, apply only to God. So I'm just using my, um, my, uh, my, uh, my platform here to say, let's take back the word provision. And this is where... I got to that uh, place. My, my formative journey into this concrete idea about God's provision took a leap about six years ago. Six years ago, life was bonkers for the Detweiler family. It was absolutely bonkers. And I've shared this story before, and I'm going to share it again because it's my, my, our testimony, uh, part of our story. But Jackie was eight and a half months pregnant with our third child, Cohen, and we knew family change was coming. That's, that's a big change in your life. Uh, being outnumbered from two kids to three kids, that's a big change in your life. So Jackie's eight and a half months pregnant. I had submitted my name to be considered for senior pastor here at New Life Fellowship. I'm not going to tell you what happened, but it turned out okay for me. But what, what that meant when I put my name in, in, the, in the running, if you will, for senior pastor was that if I did not become senior pastor, I would likely not be here anymore, not be at the church anymore. A new pastor coming into town probably wouldn't want an assistant pastor who had also wanted to be senior pastor. You know, this doesn't make sense. 
So there's a very real idea that I could lose our, this community that I love if I wasn't chosen to be the pastor, uh, that I might lose this fellowship and might lose my job, <laughs> my source of income. That, that was a really scary time, even though I didn't sit around and think about it too much. At the same time of uncertainty, our landlord evicted us rather suddenly due to them having a pressing financial need and they needed to sell their house quickly. So we were told in November that we needed to be out of the house that we lived in for nine years by January 1st, two months later. But because of how pregnant Jackie was with Cohen, we had to get out of there sooner because the baby was due January 7th, right? That's when he was born, yeah. So we're like, we need to get out of here as soon as possible. So we, in four weeks, we pretty much packed up and pretty much myself and, and some, um, some friends helped move us, uh, move our things into storage. And we had no place to go. So new baby, pregnant wife, no house, possibly losing our church family and losing our job, all very settling. And the, and the questions that were, that were coming to us were, you know, God, are you calling us away from Saratoga? Are you calling us away from New Life Fellowship, this church we love? Is that why we lost our home? We started seeing, is this, did we lose our, our apartment because God was going to send us out of here? Like, these are the things that bothered us to think about. If you think about life like a stool, each of the three legs of the stool represents a major part of life. So leg one, you have your home to dwell in. Leg two, money for what you need, work and a job. Leg three, family and friends for emotional support. And we, we lost the first leg of our stool. We're starting to, to toddle. We had... We had uh, uncertainty with the second leg of our stool, our home and our, our work and our finances, and we had uncertainty about the third leg of our stool, uh, possibly losing our community and losing uh, and having a new baby in our family. So during this time, my, my friend, a very wise person, uh, took me out to lunch. And my friend is a man of prayer like no one I've ever met, I don't think. Uh, truly a gem, uh, older and wiser than me. And my friend taught me about provision, in a way that I'll never forget. So after eating, we, ate, we had lunch together at, the, together at the Triangle Diner, and then we went out to my friend's car, and if you've been to the Triangle, it's the parking's like all right in front of the windows there. We went out to my friend's car, and he said, we need to pray. Everything we've talked about in lunch, we need to pray. No home, new baby, the church ministry job. And we got into his SUV, and he began to, to go before the Lord as if it was his very own need that he had. It was very touching. He prayed for me as if he was praying for himself. He said, Lord, you know Nathan and his family need, family's needs better than they do. And you are a provider. So Lord, we ask for three provisions for Nathan and his family. And we know that you will do it because you are a provider and you care for him. And you've always taken care of your children. So Lord, we have no doubt about it. We ask with assurance that what we ask you, you will do. Very bold prayer. He said, Nathan and his family need a provision of a home. Nathan and his family need a provision of a job. And Nathan and his family uh, need a provision for their family, for this new child that's coming into the world. So we plead the blood of our Savior Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us, and ask for your provision in these three areas. I'm sure the people in the restaurant were looking at us like, what's going on in that car? There's gesturing, there's passion. They might even be able to hear my friend praying very loudly. Um, quite, a, quite a wonderful experience. But I, I'd never heard somebody pray this old-timey kind of word, provision. 
But because of what happened next in our lives, I, I never forget this prayer, and I've prayed this prayer ever since with assurance. In the next couple of months, we had Cohen, and we brought him home to the apartment in my in-law's basement where they let us stay while, while we were trying to find a home. In the next couple of months, a true miracle happened and where this house that had been on the market for a very, very long time, it had dropped in price. It ended up actually being in our price range and we could buy a house in Saratoga Springs. In the next couple of months, New Life Fellowship called me to be their senior pastor. Every leg of that stool that was so uncertain before came together and our life felt stable again. I'd seen God's provision at work. God knew what we needed before we asked him. And when we asked him for his provision, he provided it. So flash forward now, five years later to this current time that we're living in, and God's provision continues in our life. This idea of provision is actually shifting in my mind uh, and moving forward. A few, a few months ago, Jackie received a call out of the blue from a family that we hadn't been in contact with for a couple years that our kids went to school with, who are acquaintances of ours. Not good enough acquaintances to have our, my number, but uh, this woman called Jackie and was asking for my phone number so that her husband could give me a call. So he called me. I had no idea what this was about. And he told me that they, their family had moved to Florida and were about to put their Saratoga house on the market. And that they had, as they were praying about doing this, their people of faith, as they prayed about doing it, my name kept coming to his mind. Nathan Detweiler, Nathan Detweiler. Which is just a wild story. Like, who does, who, who makes a call like that? Very odd. And we had had so little contact with this family, almost not at all. You know, it just was so odd. And I told, I told him, you know, we're happy in our current home. We're not looking. We're not planning to move. Uh, but we'll take a look at the house and see, see what God's saying, because obviously they heard our name. So we went to the, to the new house, and it pretty much had everything that we ever wished our current home had, but had decided we could live without. <clears throat> you know, we'd, we're like, you know, our current house doesn't have a mudroom, but we can live without that. It doesn't have a paved driveway. We can live without that. It doesn't have a fence in the backyard. We can live without that. Um, we can live without any of those things. But as we, it, it's, it's on a very busy road, but we can, we can live through that. But this new house had, had all the things, all the things that we had desired to have, but um, had kind of given up on the idea of having, including being in a neighborhood with a, with a cul-de-sac where our kids could, as they get older, ride bikes around and, and not be in danger for their lives like Jones Road is. Uh, very scary. So we, we, we prayed, we, we saw this, and like we were just like, wow, like this is interesting. They, they, they heard our name when they prayed. It's got, it just happens to have all these things. It's not a lot bigger, but it has all these things that are missing from our current house. And we began a discernment process with brothers and sisters here from New Life, and, and God led us forward. Um, the family accepted our first offer that we made. We sold our current house for way over what we bought it for um, so that we could afford a nicer house with our mortgage remaining the same as it was before, which is amazing. And we weren't even looking for a house. And we didn't even know we needed it. We just, we're, we're like, you know, we're good. That's how we feel about life. We're good. And uh, we, we didn't know we needed it, but it was something that God knew we needed, apparently. So all this, all this being said, you know, we're moving into this new house this coming Saturday. It's very exciting. It's God's provision. But I struggled with the idea of provision as we were in this discernment process because I had an emotional connection to our current home 
where I said, this was God's provision for us. This was God's provision for us. Like, I know it. I prayed with this guy. We got this house. This is what God has for us. As I, as I wrestled with this idea of selling our previous provision from God, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I felt he said, the home I provided for you five years ago is still my provision for you. It was my provision for you then, and it was a provision to meet your family's needs at the time for a home, and it is my provision now for you to sell and use the proceeds for the provision I have for you in the new house. That's really what God spoke to me. And I feel like the provision of God is just moving, shifting and moving to another, to another place. With that word, you know, we, we moved in faith. You know, we didn't know what we needed. But God, who is rich in love for us, knew what we needed better than we did. And perhaps this provision he's given us will continue to move into other areas in the years to come. Who knows? But underneath everything, I know that God is, is our provider. Now, happy is the person who trusts in God's provision. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy is the one who trusts in him. You know, God is good. God is our provision, our provider. He provided Jesus as a provision for our sins on the cross. And if he gave us Jesus, how much more will he not give us all things? That's what the Bible is using hyperbole. If, he, if, if God would give his life of his son, to cover your sins, how much more will he along with him give us all things in our relationship with God? God is our provider. God has provisions for his children. These are not promises for people that don't know God necessarily, you know. This is a promise to people that are part of the church. They're part of the grace community of God. They've received the gift of salvation. And God says, I have a provision for you, my child. It's not, trust me, it's not um, based on merit. It's not based on earning it. It's not based on holiness or righteousness. There's plenty of other people that would deserve more provision than me. But because of God's being rich in love and God being so gracious and kind, um, any of his children, by his grace, have a provision from God the Father in their lives, whether that be your house, your food, your clothing, your community, your friends. So with this, with this, with this idea in mind that's so powerful uh, to me, I want to reread the section of Scripture. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothing? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble 
of its own. Verse 30 calls those who worry, quote, you have little faith. What is the category that we have little faith in? It's that stool of life. It's, it's what we wear, you know, what we eat, what we drink, where we will live. When we trust God to provide for us in all of these areas, we, don't, we, we lose our anxiety, we lose our worry, we become happy, blessed, carefree. Jesus asked for and, for and received emotional provision from God in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked for and received God's intellectual provisions for him uh, in terms of his teaching, everything he taught, he got from the Father. And Jesus relied on God for his physical provisions, trusting God for a place to sleep, for food, for drink, and shelter. And all of those provisions st- streamed to Jesus as God's beloved son. And now Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. I have a provision for my kids as well, for my children. Interesting to know that many, many times the provision of God, I, I believe God's preferred method of provision is through the church loving itself and loving the people of God as if those people were their family. Like my friend who prayed for me in his, in his SUV, you know, going before the Lord and pleading the blood of Jesus over my life um, as if it was his own prayer need, something that is so rare. Um, so I think that we need to take the needs of the body and we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and have open hands to provide for one another because many times that provision from God flows from a brother or sister in Christ. Those people that we barely knew who called us and, and said your name just kept coming to mind, that's God, that's, that was God's part. And the rest of it was this amazing plan of generosity and you know, what seems to be a perfect storm of, of good stuff falling into our lap. But it started with the people of God hearing something and doing it. And I think most of the time, you know, Jesus uh, certainly, he, I don't think that he was sitting on the couch and said like, you know, um, ice cream sandwich and just appeared and he started eating it, you know. He, <laughs> even though that would be a really cool spiritual gift, um, Jesus relied on the hospitality, generosity of the church, you know? He was an itinerant preacher. He had no home, but people gave him plenty of places to lay his head, food to eat, um, provisions. But those provisions people were giving were actually from God. So it's hard to wrap our head around, but God, there, there's a God part that like, we could never anticipate or, or make happen where God is sovereign and he lines things up to provide for his kids in ways that are surprising but they always involve people saying yes to God along the way and providing uh, for one another or just following up on a lead um, where we heard from God in prayer. Jesus says, if you need proof that God is a provider, look at the natural world. Birds, flowers, plants. They do not have a care. They, they are provided for by the, by the ecosystem God has created in the world. God clothes the grass and the field and the flowers. He feeds the birds of the air. And you people, his children, are much more valuable because you're made in God's image. He cares about your needs. If God will do this for the natural world, how much more will he do it for you? Clothe you, feed you, shelter you. 
So Jesus' first proof is, you know, God takes care of the natural world. How much more you, you of little faith, how much more you, beloved child of God, how much more you? Jesus' second argument, which is really compelling, <clears throat> that worrying is, is, is useless, he says you shouldn't worry about physical, emotional, intellectual um, anxiety about trying to get what you need because having anxiety and worry doesn't do anything. You, you're not getting it. You're not getting, you're not any closer to getting your provision from God by being worried and anxious about it. Um, every day has enough trouble of its own. How wise Jesus was to say that, and I think it's still true today. Each day has enough trouble of its own, and you cannot add a single hour to your life by worrying or having anxiety. So Jesus says, trust in God, who loves you and gives generously and gives provisions to all of his kids according to their needs, even things they don't know they need. In fact, Jesus says in the end of this passage, in verse uh, 33, but seek, instead of worrying and, and having anxiety, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of the things that you used to be worried about will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first God and his kingdom, and he will take care of these things that you need and are concerned with. As we talked about last week, God wants us to focus on solidifying our membership in his body, to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, to trust him to take care of us, but to focus our eyes like, like a horse with blinders on God's kingdom and his righteousness. And many times when we do that, that will mean looking out for the needs of other people as well. So while worrying cannot accomplish anything, and anxiety is truly exhausting and fruitless, God is calling us to the way of trust and looking to God as our provider. And he promises, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will be taken care of. Do not worry. Focus on the ministry God is calling you to do with all of your heart every day. Whatever your ministry is, focus on that ministry. Focus on the body and other people that might have needs and think about how, how can I meet those? How can I be part of God's provision for that person? Um, give your whole heart to focusing on Jesus and his kingdom and trusting him to provide. I have a feeling it's not just homes and jobs and, uh, and things like that. They're such big, huge decisions. But I think that for the person that chooses to forgo worrying and forgo anxiety, decides to trust in God for his provisions, that they begin to see a lot more divine activity in their lives every day. As God has many things that he'd like to do through, the, through his people, but we're just so distracted by our worries and anxieties, we, can't, we don't hear him. But God has a provision. He provided Jesus to pay for our sins on the cross. He makes provisions for his children in every other imaginable way. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. I think the application of a message like this is so unique to each individual person and what they're going through <clears throat> because we all have different needs and we all have different provisions that we, that we need from God. We all have blind spots where we can't even see the things we need and we need God to just reach in and, and help us out. 
But for some of us, you know, the provision is, it is a physical need. Maybe it's food or shelter. Maybe it's clothing. That's a need that Jesus promises that God will take care of. For some of us, it's an emotional need. You know, we, we feel like we don't have any friends. We feel like there's no one that knows us or listens to us or we've lost someone that's very close to us. Um, and we need an emotional provision. Some of us need an intellectual provision. Like Jesus, we need, to, we need to learn directly from God about something that we can then apply to our lives and teach other people. But whatever provision that you need this morning, um, the Bible says, do not worry about it, do not be anxious about it, but think about who God is. He clothes the grass of the field. He feeds the birds of the air. You are more valuable than any of those things. How much more will God take care of those who he loves, his children? And if you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, this is for you. This is your inheritance as a child of God. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to lift up your people, the church, this beloved bride that you have here, the body of Christ. Like the frantically working Martha, we are worried and concerned about many things in our lives. But we want to become a people who trust you to take care of our needs. We want to be people who are freed up from that energy of worry and anxiety so that we can take on the needs of other people in the church as if they were our own needs and come before the Father and plead for those people and to, and to also provide for those people, whether it be emotional, physical. We want to provide for the body of Christ ourselves. Some of us have, have a need for, for your help in this area of emotional support, God, that we we don't have the friends that we need. We don't have some of the people that we've loved are no longer in our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would provide for our needs there. Some of us have financial needs, Lord, and real physical needs. Pray that you provide for those needs, God. You'd reveal yourself as provider for every need that's in the body. And we'd, we would learn the simple way of trusting in you and seeing what you do. I remember when Jesus, you, you talked to the Pharisees and said, you're so worried about cleaning the outside of the dish. But really, give what's inside of you to the poor. And the God who makes the inside and the outside of the dish will make both clean. Now help us to learn to trust you and trust your provision for ourselves, to become your provision for others, and to always be, be putting forward this idea that you're a loving father who loves your kids and desires to give them good gifts, who knows what we need before we ask him. So Jesus, we praise your name. We pray for your grace that we would become a people who walk in, in, a, in a happy way, a carefree way, because we know that if you gave us Jesus as a provision for our sins and it was so effective, how much more will you, not along with him, give us all things Lord, here we are.